Welcome to the Pete on Software podcast, where we program with passion. This is the podcast that discusses technology, the business side of software, and the tech people that drive our industry. And now, here's your host, Pete Shearer. Hi, and welcome to episode 36 of the Pete on Software podcast. I'm recording this on Monday, March 23rd, 2015. Today, I want to talk about and give my spin on what is both an age-old spat and something that I saw get some new venom recently. Many people know that developers and infrastructure people have a natural friction. Developers get told that their applications are running slowly, and then they turn around and blame the hardware or the network or the database configuration, etc. I mean, it works on my machine, right? But that being said, developers also have a constant friction or animosity with project managers. A small aside, uh, what exactly does it say for us if we can't get along with admins, PMs, users, other developers who don't work in our chosen language, etc.? It isn't a pleasant thing, I can tell you that. But what came up recently? Well, there are two kind of quote-unquote open letters that were written. I'll include links to both of those letters in the show notes. So initially, a letter was written to developers from your product manager with the subject, your job is not to write code. It starts off by saying, your job is not to write code. I know. You think you were hired to write code. In fact, your entire interview process centered around how well you could write code. And I'm sure you do it really well, but it's not your job. The letter goes on to talk about how developers don't understand users and they think because they run things on their super modern developer machines that the app will run uh, in production for users on inferior equipment. The PM goes on to say that developers' job is to ship things that fix people's problems. And he also suggests that we need to develop software that handles edge conditions and not just the happy path and include ways to have analytics, uh, analytics on the code. He concludes by saying, I know what you're thinking. This wall takes so long. It'll be so much less effective. This isn't true. You'll be far more effective because you'll actually be doing your job. If you get hassle for writing less code, that's a failure of management and I apologize for it. He also says, please don't feel like I'm picking on you. You're not the only one who should be doing this job. It's all of our jobs to make the product better for our users. It's my job as a PM and a UX designer and a manager to understand our users well enough that I can help you know how to improve the product for them. It is the CEO's job to find a strategy that allows us to make money by improving the product for our users. No matter what our job titles, our jobs are all the same to make the product better for our users every day. So let's do that. Before I add my commentary, let's hear the rebuttal from the developer. I'm not sure how great of an idea this is, but I feel like I need to read the entire developer letter. There's a lot in here and I'll end up quoting most of it anyway. It also has a lot of colorful metaphors as Kirk explained it to Spock in Star Trek 4. I'll remove those, but you'll know what I'm doing. Just realize if I say effing or freaking or crap or darn, the actual word was there in the original letter. So the letter reads, Dear project managers, your job is not to tell us how to do our job. I know you think you were hired in a managerial role. In fact, your whole interview process was probably focused around management of a project, and I'm sure you do it well. But telling us how to do our job is not your job. Your job is to manage the project and manage client expectations and let us do what we do best. Develop the best user experience we can to the guidelines provided from all stakeholders. This will keep us in coffee tokens and spare money to throw away on endless Raspberry Pis which I'm sure we'll find a use for at some point. We will always adhere to the standards of the target audience and we will always strive to deliver the best product we can. But let's face it, we're not freaking magicians. I know we might run on high-spec hardware to make our development process so much quicker and easier, but have you delivered us the requirements for browser compatibility? Don't just say it needs to work on IE on four-year-old laptops. Show us the metrics. Does 2% of our user base use IE8 on Windows XP and the expected revenue from those sources is less than the cost of supporting that platform? then I'm sorry, but they can F right off. That's not worth the time it takes to support. 
My job is to deliver robust solutions for the target users in the quickest time possible. And if that means dropping support for a barely used browser or something that's not financially viable, then I will argue tooth and nail to drop it. We will performance and load test our software. We will meet the required targets. And just for craps and giggles, we'll push it further than that because we want to deliver a faster, cleaner, quicker, and more efficient site because you know what? We take pride in that kind of crap. We don't want to deliver bloatware. And thanks for reminding me that my code needs to run in production. I was aware of this, but why in the ever-loving F would I check that it works in production? That's, there's two things wrong with this. Firstly, I'm not QA. I'll make sure it runs locally, and I'll make sure it's written with the required browser support. On top of that, I'll make sure it doesn't fall over on unsupported browsers as a freebie because, well, why not? But we have a whole QA department that makes sure it works on all platforms with a controlled testing environment that mirrors the production environment. Or if you're checking your changes in the production environment, and that's beyond automation, regression, or smoke tests, then you've probably effed up along the way. Doubly so if you're asking developers to do that work too. And thanks for making sure we push and merge our code, quote, into production. Sorry, feature bug fix hotfig branch into develop through QA and test environment into a release branch from there into UAT environments from the release branch to EOL and to master for deployment. But who is this message directed at? I would be worried if your developers were not au fait with simple version control workflows and just push to production. But the rest of us are more familiar with robust and risk-averse release workflows. It's worth reiterating the fact that if you're pushing your changes into production in such a simple step, you have a huge cluster on your hands as a product manager, so I wouldn't really suggest that. As we know, users do surprising things. In fact, we know more than you do, because I can guarantee that you've had to fix a bug in the past where users created an account, press back, created another account with a misspelled email, press back, Press forward, open another browser, done the same thing, and called our support because he forgot the password and doesn't know the user account that they spelled it wrong a third time and then put a space on the end for good measure. Rest assured that we've seen some of the most asinine bug reports, which would erode your faith in the future of humanity if you had to fix them. Sure, the Jira ticket might say, password forgot form broken, but we have to just subconsciously add that ridiculous bug fix into our mental toolbox for future development. And yeah, we know you guys have metrics to provide the business, and we could probably be a bit better about tracking actuals and making sure our task tickets and burn down charts are up to date. But sometimes, when you're three days into a bug fix that is entirely environment specific and can only be replicated by one version of an archaic browser, IE8 on XP differs from IE8 on 1.7, for example, after following a book flow that takes five to 10 minutes each time, bugging us every half hour for progress reports, only to serve to slow us down and slow you down by proxy, so cut us some slack. And I don't think you're picking on us. I think you're missing the point of our job entirely. We're not management worker bees to push around and dictate to. We're specialists. We've toiled and trained for years to get to the point where we are, to learn what we know and focus on what we do best. We deliver software to the requirements you provide, and we'll make sure that you do to the best of our ability. We will question the stakeholders' requirements. We will question the product's motives. And don't for a second believe this is because we're lazy or obstructive or trying to be antisocial. It's because, funnily enough, in our own ways, we know the methods we need to take to deliver the best user experience from our point of view. And if you want to hamper our ability, then go for it. But don't be surprised if we just ignore your attempts to control us. No matter what our job title, if you want to tell us how to do our job and you're a freaking project manager, we'll tell you to F off because it's GD insulting to think that you can't trust us to do what we can to deliver the best product we can. Thank you, your developer. Okay, again, sorry for the length of the of the letter, but I just wanted to really kind of get the arguments out there. And so now, first of all, this individual who is you know, quote, speaking for all of us, makes himself sound juvenile because they can't express themselves in a professional setting without using so much profanity. Do I ever get ranty and say bad words? Yes. However, in a written communication to be published or widely distributed that I can read and proofread and have others read and proofread, do I include profanity? Almost never. 
I say almost because while I can't think of examples, they may exist and I'm not trying to set myself up as some kind of perfect person. My point is best summed up by Spencer Kimball, who said, profanity is the effort of a feeble brain to express itself forcibly. I try to remember that quote often. But let's take a look at the meat of his arguments. First of all, the developer is saying that software runs slowly because no one told the developer what the minimum requirements were. He's also saying that he knows more about production pushes and user missteps than the PM does, and as such, the PM can be quiet where he's ignorant. So look, I'm a developer at heart, and I always will be. I also realize that a portion of the developer response could have been written for comedic and viral value. I get that. At the same time, I know people who believe exactly this way and would have expressed these exact same sentiments. I totally understand the frustration of having people who are non-technical not understand why it could take so long to code a simple website. Even worse, those PMs who were developers for a year or took a coding class in college so they think they can relate to your work and think you're sandbagging or incompetent because you're not done or because someone found a bug. There are also a lot of ways to organize a team. Sometimes a project manager is a peer to a lead developer or a team lead. Other times the PM is actually in charge of the team. So some level of management actually is to be expected. I personally dislike that latter model because I feel that most developers should report to someone also in development. And then if that person reports to a PM, that'd be a little better, but still not ideal in my opinion. But that just leads to, quote, what is good management, right? So if you think about that, that question, I would think it's obvious, but I'll state it just in case. Micromanagement is not management. If you need to micromanage, you're either managing entry-level people or you're a bad manager guilty of overmanaging. Even then, if it's more of the latter because a good manager would train his people or make sure they got trained so that micromanagement wasn't necessary. What about the rest of it? So now we're starting to get down to brass tacks. I want to get this out of the way first. Developers have got to stop acting like they're God's gift to the working populace. Smart people are always in danger of this kind of thinking, and it's stereotypical, and we don't want to live up to that stereotype. Think about Dr. House or Sherlock Holmes or someone like that who doesn't suffer fools lightly. The truth is, though, that just because you're good at a job that is in demand and you have an above-average intelligence, that doesn't mean that you can talk down to people or be an insufferable jerk. And that comes from the voice of experience. And largely my issue with the open letter to the PM from the developer is that the author is an insufferable jerk. The PM's considerations aren't too far out of line, though he, also, was kind of a jerk, but in more of a practiced, passive-aggressive way. Too often, developers don't think about users with inferior equipment, and many developers are also not that great at thinking of every single edge case in the world. Honestly, though, that's where I come back to the developer side and point at requirements. It's entirely possible for me to write a web app that supports all the way back to Netscape 4.7 and IE 5.5. However, is that the best use of time and budget for an app? It isn't for developers to say what they're supporting. Requirements should say. QA should create test cases, and if you have a very solid BA core, you will get a bunch of user stories, which include negative user stories also, like, as a user who enters an incorrect password, I should receive a message that says blah, 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 whatever. Developers can then take those user stories, positive and negative, and turn them into automated tests to run against their code, increasing the overall quality. As for load or metrics to capture, those should also be supplied. Something like, this application should be able to support 1,000 concurrent users over a two-hour burst with 100 concurrent users as the expected standard load. And the metrics to capture should also be specified. This should come from the business, saying, capture everything and we'll figure out what to use, which was an actual request that I've received in the past. That's not good enough. I think it comes down to professionalism and knowing your role and your place, but at the same time, actually knowing what your role is. For a developer who thinks that their job is just to write code, that's actually wrong. Your job is to solve problems. You can write the world's best app, but if it doesn't solve the problem, you're useless. If you're very hard to work with, your value diminishes. If you write a screen in your app that randomizes the color background when it started because you think that's neat, that's actually another thing that's happened in my travels, 
then you've just wasted a ton of time. But stop thinking that everything you do is right and that everyone else just did their job correctly and you were left to do all the things that you're already doing so perfectly, then all would be right with the world. Own your part. This isn't a movie. If you're working with PMs in the business and a lot of end users, you aren't working at Facebook. You're working for a company and you need to act accordingly. You want to go work for Facebook? Go work for Facebook. But they probably won't put up with your crap for too long either. Another thing I want to point out while we're here is, so I come from the development side. You need to look at what you can do to make these interactions better. If there's a problem with communication, assume the problem is on your end and fix it. If there's a problem with requirements or if there's a problem with the code, own what you can and fix it. Stop making it everyone else's problem and stop stop assuming you're perfect. It just, if everyone did that, developer side or PM side, if everyone just assumed a miscommunication was their fault or a lack of communication was their fault or that unclear requirements were their fault from the PM and BA side, from the PMOs, if they think that the lack of requirement specificity is their fault, they'll own that and it'll start to work better. If the developer sees it as his fault and that he hasn't pushed back or asked for clarity or asked clarifying questions, instead just saying, I'll do what I was given. If it doesn't work right, it's their fault. Don't do it, right? Own your part. As for the PM's attitude, like I said, it's garbage in, garbage out. But the PM's main job is to manage the project. Timelines, resources, featured, business expectations, lining up tests, bringing in marketing at the right juncture, etc., etc. None of that is micromanaging developers. Get estimates? Yes. Track progress against estimates? Most ideally in stand-ups and Kanban board updates? Yes. Working with devs and BAs to remove obstacles and roadblocks? Yes. Stopping at a developer's desk three times a day or sending three emails a day for status? No, not ever. Developers need to stop being arrogant jerks and, and stop being hard to work with. Great. We're highly trained specialists, and as the writer put it, but that doesn't mean we're never wrong, and it doesn't mean we should be treated like gods. Project managers need to stop micromanaging and imagining that they know how to do a developer's job better than the developer does. It's highly likely that they do know the BA's job better. At least there's a route that's taken by a lot of PMs uh, advancing that way, but they don't know development. Hopefully they are masters of the software development lifecycle process, but their job is to plan, document, revise the plan, and foster a ton of communication. Don't step outside that role. But at the same time, devs also need to stop thinking that they know how to be better PMs than the PM, better BAs than the BA, better QA testers than the QAs. Oh, I know you're the exception to what I'm saying. I know that you can do the job better than everyone else, and I'm a moron for suggesting otherwise. If that's the case, just ignore this podcast because I'm talking to everyone else, all right? But if you really care about getting better and you care about what you can do in the workplace to foster this better environment, to grow, to grow outside of your specific skill set, uh, then just give it a little bit of thought. My pick of the week this week is a post called Fired by Zach Holman, formerly of GitHub. You can find it at Zach with an H, Z-A-C-H, Holman.com slash posts slash fired. It'll be in the show notes as well. Zach was recently fired by GitHub after five years of employment after being one of their first hires. Zach talks about not, not what about what caused the firing, although you can Google it and find a lot of conjecture, but instead about the taboo of being fired and what it has meant for him so far. It's a very personal glimpse and quite an interesting read. That's it for this week. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, I'm at Pete on Software on Twitter and my blog's at PeteOnSoftware.com. If you like the show or just like me and want to support me, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found me. Thanks, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.